Hi. 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 Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rebuilding Healthy Homes podcast. And today I have a very special guest, Seema Saruj. Seema is such a beautiful human. She is actually a teacher at Saraswati Girls Hindu College. So she caters to the demographic of young girls between about 11 to 18. And I actually connected with Seema um, today. And I really think that she would be a great person to tell us a little bit about how to end um, family violence and rebuild healthy homes. Hi. (laughs) Seema has a degree in HR, Spanish and psychology. So Seema, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me, Shanae. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me oh this opportunity. Goodness, the pleasure is all mine. Seema, tell me something. Tell me what is your story? Well, as, you? as you mentioned before, I, beyond the degrees, as you mentioned before, <laughs> I am a school teacher, a Spanish school teacher at an all-female secondary school in central Trinidad. And apart from that, I'm also a trained classical Indian dancer. I have my own dance group. So most of my time would have been devoted to that, apart from, from teaching. Um, so I've been doing that for most of my life. I have been dancing since I've been like the age of nine. So I've been involved in culture for most of my life. And uh, yeah. As I was, as we were chatting, and I was telling you, because of the pandemic and all of those activities had to had to cease, I found myself uh, being drawn to, you know, be and, and also being able to dedicate more time to these causes and getting involved and and seeing the need for the voice and also for the voice, you know, the female voice, to be heard in 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 these causes because of what is happening right now in Trinidad. So in a nutshell, basically, that's it. You know, Seema's a teacher, a Spanish teacher. She dances. And now she's, you know, becoming an, an advocate for the woman to dance the vehicle. Well, to put yourself as an advocate is to, um, is to underrate yourself <laughs> because you actually hosted one of the largest motorcades in Trinidad recently. Yes, apparently we did in the <laughs> that's that's what we've wow, been hearing so last week thursday was a very sad day in trinidad for every single citizen when they would have found the ruins of andrea barrett and for all of us who would have been following that story and would have been invested in that story that was just as they click as they say it's, like, it's the straw that broke the canvas back everybody yeah everybody just want we just wanted to do something just wanted somehow we just wanted to let those in authority and and those in charge know that that we were angry and that we were not going to take this so everyone wanted to do something something. doesn't matter who you are correct and then being in a pandemic you know we had to think about the restrictions so you know a friend of mine I saw he posted and he was asking it was he he came up with the idea of doing the motorcade but um of course you know there are so many logistics to work out because uh, of, we are in a pandemic. So I reached out to him and I told him, you know, I was going to help him do this. And so, you know, Thursday night was where we agreed, okay, we're going to do this. And, you know, Friday we sat and we planned, we, gave, we came up with the route, and you know, we came up with the flyer, we came up with, we created the event page and, you know, we started, put, we started putting it out there and, you know, little by little, we just realized, we, initially we really did not think we were going to get or have the impact that 
we did. We thought we would have gotten support, but not at that level. So, you know, we spoke to Mr. Incha and we got the use of his grounds. We got the approval from, you know, Captain Gary Griffith. And we said, okay, things moving. By the time we got to Friday wow. night, everybody was speaking about it and everybody was, you know, giving support and saying, yes, you know, that's, you know this is what we need to do. You know, we need to get our voice out there. And everybody was on board and behind us. And yeah, by the time Sunday morning came and, you know, the cars just came, started coming in, cars and buses and trucks and, and, and motorcycles that, you know, up to today, I'm still in shock that, you know, this, this, I have total hearing <laughs> this, how large this turnout was. It's one thing to hear the saying that this is the largest motorcade in Trinidad, but to actually hear the outpouring of support worldwide that you received and in the country to see the visual of this. Is yeah, because I had to stop. We were doing laps around the Savannah and, and I said, you know, I need to see this because I was at the end of the motorcade. I stayed to the back to, to liaise with the police yeah. to let them know how far we were. Yeah. And I, I stopped and then I, I had to look at it for myself because you know, we, we kept you know hearing from people that you know it's the largest motorcade and how many hundreds of cars. And I'm like, I need to see this. And you know, I stopped and I looked. Yeah, I just, I was- You made a movement. I was, you know, I was happy and you know, I was proud. I was emotional. It was everything, you know, at once. You know, I thought about Andrea and I was like, you know, Andrea, you know, if you could only see what is happening now, you know, I'm sure you in some way you are, feeling what you know what we're doing here for you is like you know and all it is for you you know and for your other victims as well that you know people are finally finding a way to have their voices heard you know because i said no we're also in a pandemic so the the, the gatherings people are still hesitant of course about coming out and being exposed so with the motorcade you know it was safe everybody was in their cars we had the police presence throughout so it was a safe way to still have to still make an impact you know but it this um this this motorcade seeing the visual of it I hope someone caught it on the drone because it's something it's well like Sine because <laughs> Sinead, as I told you we planned this Thursday night Friday <laughs> we forgot about getting that so unfortunately we don't have any drone shots but we do have shots from um elevated positions like from on top of bridges they, tried to capture as most as more yeah. as best as they could have the photographers really really tried but everything was just wow. so last minute and as I said when we realized on Saturday that this thing just went out and everybody was coming we com completely slipped our mind to tell someone bring a drone <laughs> so we don't we, we don't have that wow. unfortunately so after after the motorcade was over and you left I'm sure that everyone echoed the same sentiment it's time that we end violence against women it's time that we end family violence so what does that mean to you where do you think this is headed and and i mean andrea touched the world she touched everyone's heart so i'm thinking she's given a lot of people um a rude awakening to look at themselves in the mirror as well well as you said it's time for change right so one of the slogans we adopted mm -hmm. from the motorcade was you know enough is enough Right, and that's how everybody's feeling in the country right <laughs> now, that enough is enough. We don't want to wake up tomorrow and hear this has happened to another female or to anybody else for that matter. We just, we just, we just wanted to stop. And the only, way go, the only way for it to stop is with change. Something has to change, yeah. right? Whether it be, you know, the laws, whether it be the government, whether it be us, wherever the change needs to take place has to be now, right? You know, and well, as a teacher, do you see this um, 
as a teacher, do you see a lot of the, this violence um, in the household? Like, is this something that that is a sentiment outside of the obviously the brutal violence that's happening? And Andrea is definitely a brutal violence act. But when it comes to um, young women saying they're tired of being victimized um, by their partners or by strange men, where do you think this behavior is coming from? Well, as I said, unfortunately, as a teacher, I see it in school and I see it outside of school because I'm still in contact with a lot of my you know, past students and females who are not even my students. You know, like I said I'm in culture, so I, I, I interact with a lot of, of, of women. And, you know, you get, you, you know, so I get yeah. their stories. And yes, it's something that is, is that unfortunately, you know, it, it's prevalent. And you have, you have to ask yourself, why? Where is this behavior coming from? And yes, it has a lot to do with what well, is happening at homes, you know. And, you know, unfortunately, traditionally, this is something that has been accepted, quote unquote, in homes, you know, where it's okay for, you know, your father to, to hit your mother or to hit you. And, you know, and you, you're told that, you know, that's okay, that's how they are. Or, you know, don't do anything to anger them, you know, don't do anything to get them upset. And it's a cycle. It has it, it, generation after generation. Mm-hmm. It 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 keeps happening, and no matter how much you know, educate how educated the girls become, you know, you think that is the key. For some reason, it still happens. It's still happening, and and wow. again, as I said, you know, in some circles, when you hear that, you know, it's okay. It's that you know that that is okay. You have to you as a woman, you know, you have to do what you need to do for them not to do it to you, not the other way around. So why is it that we cannot change that mentality where the men will say, I don't need to do this. If I need to express my anger or, you know, I need to, I could, I could talk to you. I can have a conversation with you. I don't need to use my hand. Yeah. Communication, basic fundamental problem solving and conflict resolution it doesn't seem to be, to be apparent in some households, but it's just not some households. I recently read a study. It was a national study done in Trinidad. I think over the course of four years throughout the entire country, many women were interviewed. I think the number was about 474. And it said that the predominant, um, well, a lot of wealthy people, right, just scaling it back, were not interested in participating right. in the study. And a lot of people, um, I think the statistic was, if I'm correct, uh, about 54% of the women, I think it could have been even mm-hmm. more than that, were impacted by domestic violence, so close to homicide, and it was because they had a lower educational status. And these were women between the ages of 40 to 60. Well, obviously, we see what's happening with their mothers right. and who are able to transfer this behavior back onto the children. Now, I'm not talking, but, and you're the expert here, so let me ask this. Is it, it has no relationship with education. Do, do you no, think it does? Or? No, as I said, I interact with women from all different, you know, walks of life. And I know women who are doctors, who are lawyers, who have gone through, you know, horrible experiences in terms of violence. So no. Absolutely not. Wow. Absolutely not. It affects every person at every level in society. So that stigma that is attached to it, where it only happens to the uneducated ones, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is not true. That is not true. And it's not just, and it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not just 
my husband beat me up. It's also, I'm so scared of my dad. I'm so scared of what's going to happen. My dad's reaction to my poor grades or my dad's reaction to me being a, a young person. Oh, pregnant. yes. Oh, yes. And I hear those sentiments echoed time and time again. Yes, the fear that some of these children have, the fear that they live with, yes, that they can't afford to, you know, get a bad grade because my parents will be upset. Oh, I will, I will get licks. My parents will beat me if, they, if I go home with this grade. Or same thing, you know, if they become, you know, a statistic in terms of teenage pregnancy, they prefer to run away than have to go home and face their parents. Wow. You know, because they're just so scared. But where do they run? Where do they run away? Sometimes they go to, you know, to our friend's home, to another family member. You know, we have a, the, the misconception here that all girls run away to go by, you know, one ex male. But that is not also not true. It does happen, but it's, all, it's not all the time. You know, sometimes they go to our friend's home. You know, they go to our cousin. They go to another relative. Somewhere where they could feel safe. You know, because rather than going home to face that situation, that's what ends up, you know, happening. More tragic than than they could even imagine, because it's obvious they've probably seen something that has made put the fear of. Yes, because they themselves probably are going through some sort of abuse at home or seeing someone in their home being abused or you're even told, you know, even told if you, you know, if you get pregnant, you know, I'll kill you. If you bring home by grades, you know, I'll beat you. You know, I've I've heard those things echoed and you just sit there and you're like, what is wrong with you? How could you tell a child that? Why would you say that to a child? You know, you see it, you see it, you see the the reaction of some some children with, you know, in the presence of their parents, you know, they're trembling and they're fidgeting and you you just know, you just know that they're so scared. They're so scared. Yeah. They're terribly scared and and this is the thing, it's culturally acceptable and it is not culturally acceptable. This is not how human beings should be treated. Family violence is not is not a real thing. Like this is not how you treat another human being. It doesn't matter if you Correct. created them. And I agree with you. And that again we come back to the issue of communication. You know? And like you know, um, yeah. I am your parent, so you must listen to what I have to say. But I don't need to listen to you. And obey. <laughs> Actually, I was I was in the presence of someone recently. And so we were just casually in conversation. And so I said to this person, um, you know, we were just talking about their family and their goals. You know, as a realtor, I'm always in families' homes, just talking about their mm-hmm. next steps or their goals. So in this situation, I was asking them, um, you know, what do you think your wife, wife would have to say about mm-hmm. this drastic move? You know, maybe mm-hmm. we should talk to her about it. And she, he was like, well, you know, and it's someone who was Trinidadian. He's like, well, you know, she just got me so upset. Oh I just choked God. the hell out of her. And I said, what? I couldn't believe wow. this came out of this human being's mouth. Like, um, I said, pardon me? What did you say? And, and then he pulled it back because he realized, like, I, he said it so wow. easily, like, as if he says it all the time. And I said, pardon me? I said, you know, like, you can go to jail for that. Like, that's really that bad. That didn't even crazy. phase him. He wow. Like, no, no, no. It's just a saying. That's a saying. saying. You know, in Trinidad, they say, I just chop you up and I'll throw you in the river. I'm like, that's not a saying. That is not no a one saying. Says that. No, that is not a saying. No. Wow. No. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is it. This is what society is dealing with. And I, I, I really think language language is key. And you're 
friends are key, men who are abusers, your circle, if they're okay with hearing something like yes. that and not stopping you. That's yes, that is correct. Everybody needs to be held accountable. So we don't just want to stereotype one gender, but everybody needs to be accountable because women as well know things that are happening. And, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, women will tell them, you know, that's okay. You know, everybody has to go through that. You know, don't do anything to get them upset. You know, and it's infuriating. It's like, why are you telling the woman that? Why are you telling her that it's okay that for her to get beat up on a daily basis? No, why are you telling her that? You know, or... Or the, or the polar, right? Like, if, if you're hearing a woman complain about being in abuse so many times and not leaving or going back with her partner, you kind of say, well, Correct. I don't want to hear it anymore. Correct. Exactly. On the opposite. Yeah, you know, I'm tired of hearing about that. Every, every day you come to complain about the same thing over and over. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, you don't have to deal with that. So, you know, you don't know what it is that woman is going through. So in, and some, in some level, we've also lost that, you know, that compassion for people, you know. So what happens? So, so what happens in these situations? Like, obviously, we're talking about elder, like older women who are capable of being in relationships, full mm-hmm. relationships, right? Um, they don't live at home. But pulling it back now um, in your role as a teacher, do you, you know, do you feel like there needs to be programming definitely, in place? Definitely, as because, I said, because, uh, yeah. you know, these girls, when they get themselves into these situations, they don't know what to do. The children, they don't know who they could talk to. They don't know what, you know, what to do. Who can help me? Who can I trust? You know, so unfortunately, they go to their friends. That's where they get, you know, their, 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 their advice from. And that most times it's not the best advice that their friend would give them. And, you know, yes, they need to have things in place, systems in place for them where they, where if they get themselves into, not get themselves, sorry, but if, you know, if they are in these types of situations that they could feel that there's somebody who can help them, who will listen to them and actually help them. And that is not happening in Trinidad. These children don't have anywhere no. to turn. Yeah. No. And so it's exactly what you said. I mean, if everyone's with us here and they're following the story, it's like the child experiences so much violence at home that they're so desperate to run away from home or so desperate to find love or affection or feel wanted or feel a community that even if they were to leave their first male interaction, because they have grew up in such a strict home is that the first male interaction, they're going to pull themselves completely in, into Correct. it, intertwine Correct. their life. Correct. Yes. You know, the first, the first, you know, male interaction. Oh, that's it. You know, most most times, you know, they get married and they have a should they have children. So, you know, that's it. You know, they don't unfortunately, in my opinion, they don't give the, allow themselves to experience life before going to that step you know nothing is wrong with getting married and having children but I believe there is a period of time you know after you finish with your education where you know you get your job and you know you you find who you are as a person you know and sadly I see it happening quite often where as soon as they leave school they whoever is the, you know their first boyfriend whatever they get married and then right after that it's, it's, it's they have children you know yeah of course because there's that First, it's the societal pressure of um, getting, well, first of all, it's obviously the escape, the escape from reality. Someone Correct. is showing you love and affection and, and speaking to you like a human being, right? But then you have the other part of it where it's a societal pressure of 
you have to get married before 25. You have to have a child before you turn 30. Like the societal pressure of let me just do this and get it out of the way. Maybe my parents will be correct. Fine. And then again, unfortunately, some of these girls will find themselves into in the situations where violence is occurring. You know, so again, you know, so and of then course. you know they reach out to you and they you know they're asking for help and you know of course you know you do as much as you can and you you just you know your heart bleeds because it's like why you know why I wish I could have done something for it, you know to prevent you from having to go through that. Of course. You know, because it, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to hear them with these stories where, you know, of what they are going through and, you know, when they feel trapped and, you know, they wish they had done things differently and you just, you know, your, your heart just goes out to them. It just goes out to them. So we need to find a way for them, as I said, you know, to get through to them and to break the cycle. The cycle, it all, it's all come with change, that everything is, you know, pointing into that direction that we need change. Everything has to change the way we think, you know, all of these, uh, you know, cultural traditions, some of which are not healthy, all of that needs to change. And it starts with us. Seema, for being a teacher yes. for almost 20 years, what is the one piece of advice you have for young girls and young women, and not just in Trinidad, but all over the world, the young Trinidadian or Caribbean women what is the one piece of advice you feel like you want to you want to give to them? If you feel like you can touch I would, the world right I would now, tell them would that you like your life share? belongs to you and you do not owe anyone anything. You don't need to follow any society's rules. You know, you don't need to fit into any norm. You live your life the way you want to. You choose. You make the choice. That I think is very important. You need to understand that they don't need to please anybody. We have to stop doing that. I need to please my parents. Or again, as you said, society says I need to have a child before 30. No, you live your life how you want to because it's yours. Yeah, amen. That is so powerful. And now, you know, just pivoting quickly back to this, Andrea um, Barrett, the, the saddest thing I've heard yes. in so many years. I think before this, I mean, of course, Ashanti Riley was a terrible, mm -hmm. heinous um, act. That was terribly sad. But we also see boys and young men going missing and getting brutally murdered. And I think the way the pain I felt for um, Andrea was the same pain I feel oh. about the Sean Luke oh, story. Oh, gosh. And I... Yeah, and I still, to this day, I remember being a kid reading the story to my dad on the newspaper. He's like, pull it up, pull it up. And that, I don't know if I have, like, PTSD or if I'm scarred from that story, but to this day, that child is in my heart. And I think, you know, to that point, this is a, this is a terrible mm -hmm. pandemic that's happening in Trinidad. Mm -hmm. And and Sean Luke correct, happened over correct. 10 years and ago. I think again when when Andrea happened, it took us back to that to that time when we, with Sean Luke and you know the image everybody has that image of this little boy smiling, holding his hand up. Everybody has that image imprinted into their into their brain and their memory. And from the time you hear that name Sean Luke, that that was that is what comes up, you know. And again, you know, everybody was outraged and angry. And exactly, it's been ten years, and we still don't know why. We still don't know why. Sean Luke's story, let me tell you, Seema, and to the audience of this podcast, Sean Luke's story made me 
open something in my heart that made me want to end violence in Trinidad. That was just my mission in life after I read that story because there was something mm-hmm. about the innocence of that baby when you mm-hmm. looked in his eyes and you couldn't believe that these two monsters did this to this beautiful child. And they were even like, you know, you would say, okay, well, they should have known, but they were also children. So where did they, where did they learn this heinous violence? From? I don't know. As I said, they are not humans. They are monsters. So I said, as you said, Andrea is yeah. a child. He's a baby. Sean was a baby. He was a baby. And I, you know, even not to get political, but even when you look at the story, 10 years later, there is still no result. There's still no result to that case. And so I look at this Andrea's story and I, I see it in the same way that this Correct. country is and in a pandemic. No, no, but exactly. This is also a pandemic we are facing apart from COVID. We're dealing with COVID and we're also dealing with this. Correct. And I, I, and I think for those of us who would have been around from that Sean Luke story, as I said, it brought up all of those feelings. It brought back all those feelings and then it just spiraled together with Andrea. That is where this revolution now is starting. It, it, you know, it started, it has started and it is continuing. We are not going to stop. We are not going to stop. This is not going to be, as everybody say, yep. we have a nine-day yep. memory. No, 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 no. The nine days is the nine. The end of the nine days, like you know, when you're for for the Hindus out there, when you're fasting, the ninth day is Correct. the beginning. Correct. Of your true fast and your devotion, and so I think I think that's what we're seeing here, and and this pain that's happening. You know, my my entire condolences yes. to that entire family. And all of the that have lost someone. But when it comes to Andrea, you look at the, this baby, this child, and you look at her face, and you can see any woman, doesn't matter who you are, can look at this girl and yes. see themselves as 10 Every years, woman can relate years, to her, exactly. And I think that's old. why the women have finally yeah. found their voices. We have found our voices because she's, she's us. She represents us. This could be any one of us. This could be me. This could be one of my students. It could be my sister-in-law. It could be anybody. It could be any one of us. Because I'm just as small as Andrea. So it could be, that could be me. You know? She represents pure innocence and pure goodness. And you can see her strive to really want to be the best version of herself. Make sure she makes her dad proud. And so every young woman out there knows how it feels when you just want to make your dad so proud. And this tragedy, you know, it's it's beyond me. Um, so today's episode was all about, you know, what you've seen and where you've been and, and addressing it. And so we'll have you back um, very soon to talk sure. about some of the steps, some of the next steps. Now, before you go, I, I normally ask guests a couple questions. So I'm going to ask you this. What What is your purpose? My purpose, now that I'm in this, uh, I always feel it's about empowering young women, giving them a voice. Because, I, you know, even in my school, I would be the one who would they would come to if they have, you know, any issue that they feel somebody else might not want to listen or want or would take them seriously. I would be the one that they would come to. I So I, I feel my purpose is about empowering young women, and now it's about women. So empowering women, which would include young women. That's amazing. And so 
it, it was that you were always doing this work through your your dancing and through your teaching but now it's yes like it's and for a while I've been thinking you know I've always had this feeling it's like I, I need to do more you know when you're in this you know you always have that feeling and I'm sure you had yeah. that feeling when you decided to start this, this podcast that I need to do more and you get this anxious feeling that I need to do more there's something I need to be doing I'm not doing you know and I think that's when the motorcade came and showed me that okay you know I need to do this I need to do more than what I'm already doing you know it's a yes. clear sign from the universe yes. <laughs> yeah so so actually very quickly I'll tell you the story I started I registered rebuilding healthy homes charity mm-hmm. um, last December and so one day I was sitting in meditation and you know I was I'm successful in my business in Toronto I'm serving a lot of Canadians and and there was this this message that came to me so loud, no, the greatest work that you can True. do is to serve your own community. So why are you not doing that? And the message was so loud in my um, meditation, like I couldn't ignore it. And, and systematically over the course of the, the preceding months, I started to see so much trauma within my own community and families around me, um, and specifically with the Trinidadian Guyanese Caribbean community. And I said, there needs to mm-hmm. be change and someone needs to have a voice. And maybe if I have the tools, right. I can start somewhere. We can start somewhere. And just like you with the motorcade, maybe this is going to snowball into a movement and we're going to just take over the entire Caribbean and, and create programs to to help people all over. But it always starts with Correct. voice. With Correct. Voice. And again, as you, you said, something very important. You just need to start. You just need to start. Yeah. You need to start. And it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are and whoever's listening to this today. I want to say this to you. Nothing is too small. Because your one message can change someone's entire life. And it may not even be a message. It may just be a hug. Sure. You may just need to go hug your neighbor. Or you may just need to call up a friend and say, let's go for a walk. Because you have no idea the type of violence that someone's experiencing or the pain or the tragedy. You just need to try. If something is calling you to do it, it's Correct. going to keep calling you to do, Correct. to do it. Very, very true, Shanine. Very, very true. What's, what's your My mantra? My mantra, same mantra that I, would give to, that I gave to the girls, that, you know, live your life for you. Put God first, though. Put God first, yeah. you know? Of course, but God first, but <laughs> yeah. live your life for you because, you know, everybody has a story. And, you know, I have a story, a very long, uh, you know, story of what I would have gone through as well and what means at this point. And, you know, I taught myself that I need to live my life for myself. Well, hopefully next, our next chapter um, uh, on the next talk, you'll be able sure. to tell us a little bit more. And and I wanted to, to quickly ask you this because... You have such, Seema, you're just such an inspiration. Oh, I feel so much more, you know, chatting with you. I, I know you have over 20 years experience in the education sector. You know, you've taught, you, you've taught and taught, you know, more than what was it? Yeah. Like 50, yeah, thousands and thousands now, yep. <laughs> wow. And with, 
you know, with all of your experience and all of all of the love you've left people with, what else do you want to leave back? I just want I just want my girls that I'll keep calling them that because I feel, you know, like they're mine as well. You know, even though they're not, they're not biologically mine, I always refer to them as my children. They know that. That, you know, I want them to know that, you know, I was there, that I was there for them, that there was somebody there for them, even though, you know, they may have not had anybody in their corner, that I was there for them and there was somebody fighting for them, you know, that mis- mistried. <laughs> well, if it- if they never heard it before, they're going to hear it today. Yeah, because I know a lot of them would have, you know, reached out to me after the motorcade. Um, and, you know, they, 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 were so, they were so proud that, you know, they miss, you know, did this. That is like, you know, girls, you know, and that's what I want you all to know that, you know, you all can't do anything. Don't let anybody tell you you all can't do. You all can't do it. You know, you all can. So if that is one thing I want them to learn from that is that, you know, don't limit yourselves. You know? We spoke, Seema, we spoke earlier, and, and there was one thing that you said to me, which kind of stuck with me, right? As soon as I reached out to you to um, have this chat, you echoed the, the voice that Trinidadians are not being heard, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are doing what you can, but on an international platform, governance-wise, mm-hmm. you know, you're being heard to an extent. Now... Um, when it comes to different areas of a healthy home, right, and what you think is so imperative, if anyone around the world were to ask you today, we will help you change one thing to build a healthy home. What do you think hmm. that that one thing would be? Hmm. I would like children to feel safe and loved in their homes. You know, unfortunately, yeah. apart from feeling safe, yeah. a lot of them yeah. don't feel loved. And maybe that's why we have that problem with the vi- with the violence. Yeah. You know, they're not getting that at home. Yeah. Do, do you think that stems from, and we can go into this, I know, I know we have to wrap up, but do you think that stems from an overarching issue? Economic stability, economic stability, the issue with, you know, single parents, you know, the absence of fathers at home, absence of mothers at home. It's so many, so many social issues, so many social issues that would cause that. Yeah. You know what I said? You know, in my line of work, unfortunately, I see it. You know, I see it. Yes. Well, because you see the pain of the parents. So you... You don't just get the child who's going out into the universe and just going to work where their employers see them as, you know, unfocused or whatever they're going through. You see the parents and mm-hmm. you see why this child. And you understand exactly. Sometimes you might see a child reacting or behaving a certain way, and you know, from with experience, as you said, you know, you don't you don't, you don't immediately blame the child, but when you interact with the parent or you see certain things, then it clicks. Like you know, okay, that's why. You know, that's why. But you told me, you were saying something earlier about, um, and I, you know, I echoed it too, the, the mm-hmm. fathers putting the fear of God in their children. I think fathers do that. And let me just correct myself. Mothers do it as well. You know, I think mothers do it as well. Yeah. No, totally, totally. Where I was actually going with this was um, the fathers doing this to the children and the mothers standing by as bystanders. That obviously has to speak to 
a mental impact on the child yes the it happens yes i see it happening all the all the time and yes the mother she she can't say anything she can't say anything you know she's not allowed to say anything and again you know the girls would see it and they think it's okay they think that that is how it's supposed to be because they, that's all they know And the long-term mental impacts on children, boys and girls alike, when these parents do this it is. to these children. It is, it is because so I said in their mind, it is acceptable. So they allow, they not only allow, but you know, they find themselves in these situations and they think it's okay because you know what, my mother went through it. So it's okay, I can go through it as well. Wow. A lot. There's a lot of change. A lot yes. of change. We have a lot of work to do, Seema. And right before we leave, what's the best book that you've read so far to date? The best really book that I life? have read that would have changed my life. Let me think about that for one second. Not to be cliche. Not to be cliche, but I would have to say that the, the Mahabharat. The Mahabharat. Yes, that story. Yeah. <laughs> really? that, that... <laughs> okay, I've been trying. Yeah, to we. It, we... But, uh, <laughs> read, isn't it? Yeah, the, that whole, you know, that, that, that again, not because, you know, the conversation between, you know, Arjuna and Krishna on that field where, you know, that battleground where, you know, he tells him about his duty. And that you know, he, had to, he had to do that battle because, you know. Yeah. He had to, even though it was his, you know, it's his, it's his cousins. He had to, you know, that really stuck with me that, you know, why, you know, it's because, you know, you hesitate from time to time and, you know, you don't want to do this. You think, oh gosh, you know, people might say this or, you know, I really feel like doing this, but you no, know, you have to, you have to, somebody needs, you know, that I said, the, yeah. they need a voice, you know, the women in this country need a voice. And if they are, even if you're going yes. against your you own, have to. you have to. You know, if everybody looked, everybody wow. could, you know, just live their lives that way that, you know, try to be a better citizen, try to be a better parent, try to be a better, you know, individual. We would be a much better place. If we looked at it as this was my duty to be a better person, you know, we would be in a better place. No. And not everyone is perfect, but if you're going into the world with the intention to be a good person and not to harm others, and listen, you can walk yourself back. I, I walk myself back from saying a lot of things a lot of the time during the day, <laughs> but you can walk True. yourself back from from making that bad decision and you can walk yourself back from from thinking Correct. that maybe I should put my Correct. hands on this person. If we think more, you know, react less. Because we're very reactive, infinite that. Everything is, a, you know, we, we, we react first and then we think after. We need to change, flip that around. Think first, then react. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what, Seema? It was beyond a pleasure. Oh, I'm gosh, so humbled <laughs> to be able to speak to you today. You have no idea. It's no, truly because um, you have a lot of people wondering what they can do to help and and I love that you just told people help where you can and yeah, if everybody does what you can. a little, you know, the saying a little goes a long way. That is exactly what will happen in this situation. That little, little, little will add up to a lot, and we will see some. It will definitely have an effect. 
You're so right. Yes. Well, tonight is the vigil. Yes. Another um, we've vigil. been having several uh, vigils throughout Trinidad. So now every every community is having a vigil. So tonight I'm heading to one in Kunupia. On Friday we are heading to Parliament. Uh, we're having a protest outside Parliament. So every day there's something happening. We're not stopping. We are not stopping. I, I yes, wish the but open I so appreciate Sinead, you know, the support that <laughs> you are trying you know, you are trying and we appreciate that. And that's what we need. We need people, you know, on the international level as well to highlight what we are going through here. And maybe then, you know, we might be taken more seriously yeah. if they realize that, they, you know, the world is looking at us, you know? So this, beyond, this beyond, it's on behalf of, you know. Yeah, this is the state of the country. It's in a critical state people are dying and in mass numbers. And it's not, this is not, if they say this is a cultural, you know, cultural way of life abuse in Trinidad, Correct. No. This seems Correct. like serial abuse. Correct, that's that we, we are losing more lives to violence than the virus. So we are, our threat is not Corona. <laughs> our threat is, is the criminal. <laughs> so. No, no, your threat is, you're Correct. So we're no longer afraid of Corona. Cool. So, you know, we've gone past that. Uh, wow. You know, Sinead, but, you know, thank you for, you know, doing your wow. part. Uh, thank you for doing what you can do. And, you know, as I said, you know, if everybody does a little bit, we will get somewhere. Yes. Okay. Well, blessings to you tonight and blessings to everyone who's tuned in to. Um, the Rebuilding Healthy Homes podcast. We're going to have Seema on again um, next week when the vigils are over just to talk about next steps and what exactly are some calls to action and what we can Thank do. Thank you so much for having it. me, Sinead. Bye. You too. <laughs>